The Athletic. So, one of four nations will lift the World Cup here in Qatar on Sunday. France will be roared on by a population of 67 million. Argentina and Morocco can count on the support of 46 and 38 million people, respectively. And then there is Croatia, with a population of just 4 million. But in recent World Cups, they have performed like giants. I'm Adam Leventhal, and welcome to The Athletic Football Podcast. First, we saw that after 98, when we went to semi-send, when we went the bronze medal. Demo Shuka. Shuka through. It's good night and thank you. Devo Shuka has done it. Croatia go to the World Cup semi-finals. It's not just a victory, it's a statement of national pride. Then Russia 2018. Unbelievable. We're Perisic, Perisic, Mandzukic, 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 Now again, consecutive World Cups. Marquinhos doesn't score for Brazil. Croatia's penalty perfection. We can't wait for penalties. <laughs> but a funny side, Croatia. I think what they do, considering their population, is incredible, and they've always played positive football. But I can't help thinking it's a bit of a fluke that they've got to. The semi-finals, two World Cups running. How do you keep on doing it? I don't know. I don't know. Everybody wondering because it's such a small country that some people even don't know about it and get a look on the map with a microscope <laughs> to find it. And yeah, it's amazing. So we are back once again in the Souk Wakif and we're sat in the corner cafe ready for a big big day for Croatia and Argentina uh, the athletics Jack Pitbrook and Sasha Lugonjic who's a presenter from Croatia's Nova TV have joined me coffees are here I got the metro just a couple of moments ago it's a lot calmer it's a lot quieter because there are less fans only the elite remain and Croatia are amongst the elite once again. Sasha, um, you must be very proud of, of this Croatian side. What have you made of this, this journey so far? Definitely very proud. As you said, uh, this, is a, this is an unbelievable achievement. You know, uh, I had that uh, luck to be uh, in the Russia four years ago as well. And, you know, when we went through to the final, many people in Croatia, you know, thought, oh my God, this was, uh, you know, uh, once a lifetime experience you know it's uh, almost impossible to to repeat uh, such an amazing uh, achievement but uh, four years ago we are still back as you said in an elite of uh, world uh, football that's really amazing uh, and we are really proud of this team of this modern generation uh, you know many new players uh, have come in this team but we are still here and uh, i can say that this is really uh, another proof of um, how great is croatian football Jack, does it surprise you that we're sat here with Croatia in the semi-final again or, or not really? No, I don't think it does because they're, they're such a clever team. They're such a good tournament team. They're, I love how unrattled they are. I think they never seem to let anything bother them. They play such a patient game and they allow the opposition to make the first mistake. 
And you know, we saw this in 2018 where they were very, very good. And I think maybe some people in England underestimated them in 2018, but nobody who watched them in 2018 should, you know, could have underestimated them this time because we know we know what they're so good at. And what's so impressive to me is that I actually think they had better players last time because this time they don't really have they don't have Mandzukic. It's they don't really have so much power in, from their forwards, and yet you know the team is still really, really good despite all that. Do you agree with that, Sasha? Do you think that this is a better or it, it was better in 2018 than now or not? Well, uh, I agree that we, we definitely uh, miss player like Mandzukic. You know, he was a world-class world attacker. We don't have a, such a quality striker in the team right now. And that is a problem. We uh, knew that uh, it could be a problem for Croatian team here in Qatar, you know, uh, but uh, on the other hand, I, I, I would say that on some other areas we are better than in Russia. First of all, uh, defense, you know, we didn't have a such a good center back as Joško Gvardiol. I mean, he's the newcomer of the World Cup, definitely one of the best uh, yeah, defenders, uh, only 20 years of age. So I think that uh, also left back, Sosa is a better player than uh, Strinic, you know. Uh, Juranovic is also amazing. Okay, we had Vrsaljko in, uh, in Russia. Vrsaljko was an amazing, amazing player, but uh, Juranovic uh, have, made, have made a great improvement uh, in a recent years so I think uh, that we are definitely better in a defensive uh, area of play what's been your your highlight of the tournament so far because I guess some some people are outside of Croatia and have seen you just sort of move steadily through the tournament under the radar and obviously the game against Brazil was a was a huge um, a huge moment and caught a lot of eyeballs but on the whole you've just sort of made your way through it what's been your your highlight so far of course, that uh, penalties against Brazil will uh, became history of Croatian sport generally because to, to, to beat Brazil, that's unbelievable, really. You know, Brazil is the essence of football, I would say. You know, uh, every kid, you know, is dreaming about playing against Brazil one uh, one day. But, you know, uh, when we when we speak about the whole uh, tournament, the process, you know, because I'm here from the beginning, that draw against Belgium, you know, was uh, very important, you know, uh, in, in attitude of players. Uh, you could feel before that game that tension was very high, you know, because uh, they knew that they could, uh, you know, uh, went out uh, if, uh, if they lose that game. And uh, it was obviously they didn't want, you know, to end their run here as, as a runner-up from uh, uh, Russia in the group stage. And they played against great rival, big, big team and after that uh, draw against Belgium after they went through to the next stage it was you know obviously that uh, atmosphere around the team was was much better you know the the pressure you know was not so high anymore and I think that game against Belgium was very very important uh, in this route. I wanted to ask you a quick word about the game against Canada obviously the build-up was focused on what Canada's head coach John Herdman had said about the Croatians I was at that game and seeing the reaction of the Croatian players, I think for the equaliser and then going ahead in the game, it was straight to the head coach. It was almost like Croatia needed that spark. They needed something just to wind them up a little bit for that game or oh, not? Uh, I think uh, 
we would uh, beat Canada, you know, uh, no matter did uh, Herdman's uh, said that or no. But definitely that was not smart move from a Canadian head coach because you don't uh, want to, you know, make your opponent uh, that kind of extra motive. I would yeah. say so. Definitely, I know, I know mentality of our players, so they uh, definitely, you know. Uh, decided to use that in our favor yeah they picked the wrong opponents to, yeah, to wind definitely. up absolutely um jack from from your point of view since i suppose you could go back all the way to euro 96 um and the sort of proliferation of of croatian players into the english game in particular they're part of the part of the furniture almost in the in the premier league now aren't they i think so yeah i mean i guess it who would have been the first the first Croatian player to play in the Premier League? Stanic, Suka. Su well, I suppose Suka would have been the most notable. No, no uh, Stimac Sasanovic. They played for Derby County. Oh, of course, yeah, I, yeah, I think Stimac and Sasanovic. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. But that would have been Stimac probably. Stimac, I think. Uh, 28 years ago now 27 years ago Stimac played for Derby County I think in the in the mid uh, mid 90s yeah. yeah so it's been a, a long time really that the Croatian players have played in the Premier League and um, they've been fantastic there's been so there's so many off the top of my head who've had really really good careers in England like Modric and Perisic are obviously at the moment the two most famous ones but Lots of players have played fantastically well for a long time in England from Croatia. And one of those players is actually one of the contributors to The Athletic during the tournament. Uh, the uh, former Croatian player and manager Slavan Bilic, who is now, of course, manager of one of the greatest teams in the world, Watford. Um, and he's been talking to us about his pride at seeing Croatia get back-to-back -back World Cup semi-finals and uh, explain the reasons for his nation's success. We are talented. We are physically good. We are mentally really good. We're very good in team sports. You know, we are normally also very talented in basketball. We are very talented in handball, you know, water polo. We are one of the best in the world, so whatever. So those, those kind of sports, when it's about your mate, when it's about helping each other, where it's about a group, we have that togetherness. We have that unity. Because we are a small country, our players, they know each other since they were 10, 11, you know, because the most of them come from Dinamo Zagreb and Hajduk Split. We are not teammates. You are friends. We are friends and we off the pitch. And also, also this generation, they call each other on a daily basis, not only when they play for a national team. They are proper mates. So Sasha Slavin there talking about the fact that it's down to the mentality of the Croatian side, obviously the ability, collective spirit and, and things like that. What, what do you put it down to? I mean, I guess you don't disagree with what Slavon Bilic <laughs> says. He, he knows what he's talking about. He's been there and done it. He's worn the T-shirt, worn the literally. It would be very stupid not to agree with Slavin, of course. Yes, I mean, Slavin is an amazing player, as you mentioned, then, and, and uh, he's so popular. Uh, people in Croatia, great coach, uh, great player, great guy. You know, he was uh, actually he was our guest in our uh, show uh, recently when we played against uh, Denmark. You know, and he said uh, uh, when we analyzed that game, you know, after it finished, uh, he said about Livakovic, you know, for a great result on the World Cup stage, you must have amazing goalkeeper. You no know, goalkeeper, uh, you know, who will. Uh, save uh, something you don't you don't expect to save like Ladic Rajan Ladic did in France and 
I can be very happy that uh, Slaven was on the right uh, path and uh, Livakovic is doing an amazing job here, yeah. Now, obviously, everyone knows the the big names of the of the team, Modric, Perisic, etc. But Juranovic is is someone who's who's impressed you sort of on and off the pitch, is that fair to say? Yeah, Juranovic, uh, his story is an amazing story, really. Josip Juranovic is, uh, I think, an amazing guy uh, who had a very difficult, you know, uh, run through his career but uh, he definitely does deserved everything uh, that is uh, happening to him uh, right now uh, he played for dubrava that is a uh, one small club in in zagreb in the capital of croatia in third division and when he was 20 years uh, old uh, he came to hajduk split but he signed contract for only 700 euros per month 700 euros not per week per month and he played in Hajduk Split uh, for four years till he was uh, uh, 24. He, uh, he had, uh, I think he was maybe the less paid uh, player in the club. Unbelievable, you know. And after that, he went first to uh, Poland, then to Celtic. And now, I mean, uh, people are discussing about Josip uh, as one of the best right back players here uh, in this World Cup. So definitely, I, I asked that actually uh, Zlatko Dalic after the win against Brazil. His story, actually Cinderella story of Croatian national team and Dalic said, yes, definitely. Josip's story is Cinderella story and that his story can be a great role model for, for all players trying to, you know, to make a good career. And he fits, he fits into the, the team, even though he's had a different, a different journey amongst, you know, players that won the Ballon d'Or, for example, it, it seems that there's a, there is a great spirit, a collective spirit. Amazing. I think that is the uh, most important, uh, most important uh, reason of our success through this, of course, besides quality, because you must have amazing players to, to be in the semi-final of the World Cup. But that spirit, we, uh, we spoke to, uh, before this show and I said that uh, from, from our first golden generation in uh, 1998 in France, generation of Boban and Schuker uh, who won bronze medal, you know, uh, we created that uh, cult of national team, you know, and during the years uh, that cult, uh, you know, that passion and pride of playing for national team stayed for us, you know, and this generation of Modric, uh, they had their role models in Boban Schuker and wanted to repeat uh, once their their result, you know, so that is definitely very 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 important uh, part of Croatian success. And uh, regarding Juranovic, there is also one very interesting thing. Uh, eight years ago, that was 2014. That was a, a Nike Chance project, you know, 30 players without contract, you know, uh, trying to get professional contract. Mario Mandzukic and Mateo Kovacic, who were national team players uh, then already. Uh, they uh, also came there to support that guys, you know, and uh, the winner of that context was Josip Juranovic. After that, uh, we made a story about that. So we, we actually repeated in our uh, main news uh, two or three days ago. And then uh, we recorded his statement after, uh, after that, uh, that tournament. And he said, okay, it would be great to sign professional contract with some club and my goal is to play at least one game for Croatian national team once so I mean uh, that was really the amazing amazing story yeah it's a dr literally a dream come true which is which is great um Jack I just wanted to just bring you in on the on this in terms of how the Croatians are are viewed in general in terms of the mentality and the fact that they can just seem to 
just focus on the end goal without any problem whatsoever. You know, almost like within an English context, you think about the circus that follows England around and the pressure and the, the talk about history and 1966 mm. and all that sort of stuff. But Croatia just seemed to just go, right, we know, where, we know where we're going. Thank you very much. Leave us alone. Yeah, I think that's been the most impressive thing when I've seen Croatia. So I was at the, the Croatia-Japan game. Obviously, I watched the Croatia-Brazil game on TV. Is my, my sense that this is a team which... They don't get ruffled. They don't get. They don't get. Uh, they don't get flustered. They play in a very kind of professional way. They're very patient. If the game's going to go to 120 minutes, they're they're relaxed about that, and that's why I kind of that's why I suspect they might have the edge over Argentina this evening is because Argentina play with such kind of emotional up and down. Every every single game they've had has been has been like a big emotional roller coaster for them, whereas Croatia just seems so calm and level-headed you know the, the japan game for example i didn't think croatia played very well but they kept their heads all the way throughout and they won on penalties and then the brazil game you know they went behind to neymar they could have panicked but they didn't panic you know they continued to play their game knowing that they would get one chance and they took their chance and they, and they won on penalties again so i just wonder whether that kind of emotional stability that they have that patience that intelligence the huge amount of talent, intelligence they play with i just wonder if that might give them a little bit of an advantage this evening This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Luka Modric up against Kasper Schmeichel. If he scores now, Croatia have one foot in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. It's saved by Schmeichel! Goes the right way! And we will go to penalties in Nizhny Novgorod. Is it ever talked about within within the sort of the, the closer circles in, in Croatia about this team or just in football in general that we always talk about pressure and dealing with pressure and all that sort of stuff. Does that come into the conversation? Or where does this calmness come from do you think and is, is that the right word to use is it calmness or is it just a fire that burns so hard that we, you know or so fiercely like what what do you think is is the thing that actually ensures that Croatia managed to get so far uh, mentality definitely but uh, that calmness you you, you mentioned uh, you cannot be calm in those kind of situation if you didn't do something before you know because uh, this uh, I, I, I cannot say this generation because there is a lot of new players but let's say a uh, modern generation you know Luca is here in national team since 2006 but let's say that in 2008 that was his first uh, major competition with him in a major role because in Germany 2006 he was not in the in, in the main role Luka Modric had many disappointments with national team you know in 2008 against Turkey we conceded the goal in the last seconds of the game and uh, and, and then uh, lost on penalties then we didn't qualify for South Africa eliminated in group stage in uh, 2012 then uh, also 2014 uh, 2016 uh, in extra time against Portugal so there were many disappointment dis disappointments for those players Modric Perisic Brozovic uh, the Lovren they were all in the in the team in those in those tournaments and then uh, finally you know things uh, you know settle down in the uh, in the rush i think that uh, the most important game in history 
maybe in history of Croatian football, his game against Denmark in a round of 16 in Russia. You know, that was turning point, I would say. If we lost that match, I think that uh, maybe Luka Modic would retire after that World Cup because the disappointment would be so much, you know. Uh, let me remind you, Luka missed the penalty in that game uh, in uh, 116th minute. Uh, and uh, that was really big pressure. This generation never won knockout stage game before that. Our last uh, knockout, knockout stage game we won was in France, our first World Cup. We waited for 20 years to, 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 to win a knockout stage game. And that was definitely a turning point. After that, Denmark, everything has changed. Uh, I know that I was there in, in, in Russia following national team. And uh, you could feel after that game, you know, that uh, everything uh, ha has changed because they realized then, okay, now we are in quarterfinal, we will play against Russia. But even if we will lose against Russia, nobody can say that, you know, we disappointed people, that we are lost generation, things like that. And after that victory, you know, things have changed. We beat Russia again. On the penalties, we beat uh, England in, in, in semis, and that is definitely the biggest victory of Croatian football, I hope, till tonight. <laughs> and uh, that was the key moment. Uh, and after that, you, you could feel, as you said earlier, Jack, uh, we didn't play good against Japan, but we have believed, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know? We knew that uh, we will be at our peak uh, when uh, penalties... Uh, come you know and we show that and uh, i think that's uh, about mentality but you cannot have that mentality if you didn't deserve it and they deserve it with uh, those those run uh, in, in in russia and here in qatar as well imagine that thinking that you're going to be at your peak when the penalties arrive yeah. <laughs> what well, a I lovely what a lovely scenario to be in yeah it's um i remember that game in, against denmark I, I i went to it it was in in nizhny novgorod and um the amazing thing to me about that game was how even when Mod when modric missed the penalty in extra time Everyone thought, oh no, what a disaster, you know, what a terrible thing to happen. And if this, I think, the, I remember thinking that if this was England, then to have the best player miss a penalty with five minutes left, it would be so awful that they would obviously lose their heads for the actual shootout. So I remember thinking how impressed I was that Modric could miss that penalty and then they forget about it and five minutes later they win the shootout against Kasper Schmeichel and, and that Denmark team. So yeah, I, it was, uh, I guess, in, in that moment against Denmark four years ago, we saw... We saw the mentality that now we, you know, we've seen repeatedly throughout this World Cup. I wanted to ask you, um, Sasha, about the the sort of the development of of this Croatian side because it, you know these players don't just arrive from nowhere. Um, Juranovic maybe <laughs> maybe he, he sort of did, but um, you know England have have looked towards Clairefontaine in France, for example, to try and mirror that. We've now got St George's Park to try and get a production line of players. What is the the Croatian um, sort of development plan? Well, I think the most important thing here is the talent of our players, you know, because uh, we don't have a, uh, such good conditions as uh, as England, as uh, Clairefontaine in in France you mentioned and, uh, and other famous academies around uh, Europe. I would say that uh, talent of uh, our kids is really uh, amazing, definitely, you know. Uh, that will to succeed is uh, also... Uh, Amazing that uh, I mentioned before, pride of playing for national team, uh, really. And uh, also, actually, uh, the work in a, in, a, in, a, in a school of football is 
obviously very good, you know. A uh, good example is, for example, Academy of Dinamo Zagreb, very good academy, you know, they produce players like uh, Luka Modric, like uh, Dan Lovren, like uh, Vedran Čorluka before, Joško Gvardiol, uh, Mateo Kovacic, Marcelo Brozovic, many, many famous uh, players. Also, uh, from uh, Hajduk Split, we have uh, very important uh, players in, uh, in, uh, in this national team. Uh, like Perišić, Vlašić, uh, Pašalić. Uh, I think that it is a combination of passion for, for, for football, of uh, quality of our players, definitely, and pride of playing for national team. You know, I, because to be honest, you know, many people, you know, uh, asked me this question, and it, it's hard to say, you know, you know, the, because there is no logic answer that country with a population less than four million, you know, uh, is producing this kind of results, you know. But uh, I don't know, maybe something in in water, as uh, you like to say. Does the um, does the national team ever have issues between between there being like a rivalry between the guys who are from Hydric Split and the guys who are from Dinamo Zagreb, or do they all? forget about the clubs they've come from and unify together when they're playing for the national team? I think uh, that is a big advantage for Croatia, really. When national team is playing, you know, majority of people don't care, you know, who will score, who will, uh, who will score the goal. Uh, would it be Marko Livaja, the icon of Hajduk Split fans? Like was in in uh, in a game against Canada, or would it be Bruno Fe Bruno Petkovic, uh, the attacker of uh, Dinamo Zagreb? You know, so that is big advantage uh, of Croatian football, and uh, probably the biggest difference comparing, uh, let's say, if, uh, with Serbia. You know, Serbia is our neighboring uh, country, and there are uh, often some, you know. Uh, comparison between uh, Croatia and, and, and Serbia. I think that is in, in Serbia is very important. Uh, does uh, some player play for Crvena Zvezda, Red Star or, or Partizan Belgrade in Croatia? We don't have that uh, issue. Definitely when national team is playing, uh, everybody, I mean everybody, majority of people, I would say 95% of uh, people, you know, will care only about uh, success of national team. They don't care about uh, that uh, rival rivalry between clubs. I wanted to ask you about uh, Josko Gvardiol in a moment's time, but I wanted to. It just feels like it may, you know, it may well be, may well be Luka Modric's last match in the next couple of games, not tonight, obviously. Um, but just to reflect on his his journey and his story from from his upbringing in really really difficult situations, you compare almost, I suppose, now Gvardiol can be can be a sort of a a traditional, highly manicured player, you know, a, a modern professional footballer. But Luka Modric's journey was was nothing of the sort, was it? Just just reflect on his on his journey. Luka's journey, uh, that was th that is Hollywood story, definitely. Luka Modric's story is is, is perfect scenario for for Hollywood film. You know, I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Luka Luka had a really really difficult, you know. Uh, times uh, when he was a kid because uh, he he was six years old when uh, when war began uh, he had his own personal tragedy because his grandfather was killed during the war uh, he had to fled his uh, home with his uh, family he was a refugee you know living in a hotel for several years you know playing uh, football on a parking in front of uh, in front of a hotel and that was really difficult you know moments uh, but 
he was a amazing talent you know didn't care about uh, anything you know he ran for his dream and uh, to be honest it, uh, it wasn't easy for him uh, also as a professional football player no because uh, Luka Modric was not recognized as a generational talent you know like Joško Gvardiol for example or Mateo Kovacic uh, Luka Modric when he was uh, 19 years old you know uh, Dinamo Zagreb sent him uh, on loan in a in a in a Bosnian league. You don't want to send uh, your uh, generational talent in Bosnian league. You know, if you send someone to Bosnian league, that means you don't see him as a generational talent. You know, but uh, his character, you know, his uh, will to to succeed was amazing. You know, and he became the best player of uh, Bosnian league. And uh, when, when I say Bosnian league is very physical. You know, it's 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 dangerous league. You know, it's not a technical league especially not in those moments that was almost 20 years ago. He came back. Uh, the, the club was Rinsky Mostar uh, in, in, in Bosnia League. He came back and he still didn't play in Dinamo. He went to another loan in a Croatian first, di first division team, uh, then first division team, Inter Zaprešić. And then he played amazing first part of the season in Inter Zaprešić. Inter Zaprešić uh, actually fought with Hajduk Split uh, for championship in that uh, moment and then they uh, at the half of the season they uh, returned him back to Dinamo Zagreb and then you know uh, Luka's uh, amazing uh, story actually begins in Dinamo because uh, very soon you know he became the key player of Dinamo Zagreb he became a national team player he went to Premiership to, to Tottenham, but also at the beginning he didn't have easy time uh, in Tottenham as well. You know that better than me. You know you're following Tottenham. So uh, first, let's say six months, you know he struggled a little bit, but then he, he he became one of the best players of league. And also when he came to Real Madrid after that, and in 2012 he also had problems in first six seven months. You know even some uh, uh, I think uh, on markers or, or, or some famous media they had some uh, polls and uh, Luka Modric you know uh, their viewers you know voted that Modric is the worst uh, new player of, of, of La Primera and then uh, history changed with that amazing goal against the Man United in Champions League uh, during uh, Mourinho's era and the rest is, is history and yesterday I spoke with one Spanish uh, reporter he asked me uh, is Luka Modric the best midfielder of all time, you know? And, uh, I mean, nobody will laugh about that question. I'm, you you can't think that he's not or that he is not, that uh, he's number 10, number 5, number 15, no matter. But no one will laugh about that question. No, I mean, Luka Modric's story is really unbelievable. He's certainly in the conversation, isn't he? I think he is. I think he's certainly the best midfielder in my lifetime since I've been watching football. I think I probably have him ahead of... Xavi, Iniesta, Zidane, those guys. Just because the consistency with, like, Modric has been, he's been this good, this for t 15 years, maybe? Like the, the amount of time he's spent at the very, very top. Um, for You know, it, it's so hard to keep your place for Real Madrid for that long because they always want to buy new players in. And yet, he's been, he's been, he, he's the kind of brains of the Real Madrid team that's won, what, five Champions League since he's been there? Plus his achievements in, at international level to get this Croatia team to one World Cup final, and then maybe, you know, who knows what they'll do do this time. I think he probably is the, I think he is the greatest midfielder since, certainly since I've been watching football. I totally agree. Okay, 
somebody can say that I'm, <laughs> that I'm <laughs> not uh, objective. I agree with that, of course, I'm a Croat, but uh, I really think that uh, his arguments are, are, are so strong, as you said. I mean, to win five European Cups with Real Madrid, that's unbelievable. He he broke that dominance of uh, Messi and Ronaldo yeah. for Ballon d'Or, you know, after 10 years uh, in a row. One of those two genius uh, won that uh, prestigious award. Uh, Luca managed to win it in 2018, and I really think that you know his mark is uh, his mark in football is amazing. The ama I remember when he start when he came to Tottenham in the first place. Some people thought he was he was maybe too small, and initially he was playing either as a number ten or on the left wing. And really, it was Harry Redknapp who was who Harry Redknapp loved him as a player, and it was Harry who was brave enough to say, "Actually, I'm going to put him in the middle." I'm going to put him in the middle, even in a 4-4-2. And traditionally, that's not where a player like Modric would play in English football. Harry Redknapp was willing to take the risk to put him in the centre. And it really, really worked. And as soon as... And I think the thing about Modric is even though he's quite small, it's he did event, he picked up the physicality of English football quite quickly. I remember doing speaking to Jamie O'Hara, who used to play for in the same Tottenham team as him, and he said the amazing thing about Luka Modric is he had calves like bricks. He's got these big, strong calves, and that meant that he, people would look at him and think he's this, he's this small guy and he's easy to knock off the ball. But because of his calves, he had this amazing balance. You couldn't knock him off the ball. He had this low center of gravity, and actually he was physically much more competitive than people first realized when they saw him. And, he, you know, it didn't take him that long to really master the Premier League. And then since then, his career has gone up and up and up and up. Even people in Croatia, many people in Croatia doubted, you know, doubted in Modric, you know. I'm sure that many of them uh, will not admit that today if you ask them. But many, many people, you know, uh, even I, I remember uh, 2010, something like that, uh, Alex Ferguson said that uh, Luka Modric is the best midfielder of uh, Premiership. Many people in Croatia, even my colleagues, you know, have laughed on that uh, on that statement of Alex Ferguson. I mean, uh, I was annoyed. I mean, come on, guys. I didn't say that. Alex Ferguson said it. I suppose he knows something about football, right? But, you know, people really doubted in, in Modric. Even when he signed for Real Madrid, they were surprised. You know, it wasn't, for example, uh, like for Guardiola today, you know. We read every day that uh, Chelsea uh, want to sign uh, Joško, Real Madrid want to sign Joško, Manchester City, and it's normal for us. Yes, he's the player for City, uh, Real Madrid or Chelsea. But, uh, you know, when that information came up that uh, Jose Mourinho and uh, Real Madrid uh, wanted to sign Luka Modic, many people in Croatia, you know... Surprised uh, Surprised, yeah. yes. You know, they thought, come on, Real Madrid, you know, it's, you know, too large bite for him, but... We see that was not, you know. Yeah, and I'll always wonder. Do you remember the year before he went to Real Madrid? He really, really wanted to go to Chelsea, and I think Roman Abramovich had Luka Modric onto his yacht, and he tried. You know, he put in some big offers, and Daniel Levy refused to sell Modric to Chelsea because of the rivalry between Tottenham and Chelsea. And Modric was very unhappy, and I think he refused to play the, at the start of the season, and. And it was very difficult. And eventually he came back into the team. But I do wonder how history would have been different if Daniel Levy had sold Modric to Chelsea because then he would not have been able to go to Real Madrid. Maybe he would not have won all those Champions Leagues. Maybe Chelsea would have had a very different time instead because they would, you know, they would have had this brilliant midfielder. So it's an interesting moment to think about how things would be different if Levy had sold him to Chelsea. Yes, maybe, maybe Chelsea uh, would be a five-time European champion <laughs> in that case. <huh? laughs> A word about um, Josko Gvardiol. 
I mean, you, you mentioned him there about, you know, all these teams, these big sides that, that, that want him. Where do you think his, his next step will be, should be? Where does he want to be, do you think? I think that uh, Chelsea was a favorite, big favorite, uh, as uh, I had opportunity to to read, uh, you know, during the last six months, it was obviously that, uh, and I heard some things also, that uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, is a main candidate, but we will see now when uh, Real Madrid, you know, is trying, you know, also to, to come into that uh, that game for Yoshiko. Well, I think, uh, would it be City, Chelsea or Real Madrid? I think that uh, really he's a uh, he's really generational talent. You know, he's so quality player. Uh, his mindset is amazing. You know, it's not mindset of a 20-year-old guy. Uh, I think that uh, as as someone uh, wrote uh, the other day, Joško Guardiol is uh, Luka Modric of defense, and I really think that. Uh, I really think that uh, he could be the best Croatian player after Luka Modric. I really do so. I remember um, I wrote a story uh, last season saying that Gavardio would be, he was Tottenham's number one choice because they wanted a left-sided centre-back. But I think he's i think he's out of Tottenham's range now. Even Definitely. If, even then, I remember speaking to, to someone about this and they said, well, look, he's going to be 80 million, 90 million, maybe 100 million. You know, if, if when he goes now, it's not going to be. It won't be to Tottenham. It'll be Manchester City, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern. I guess you know one of the very, very, very top teams, and it will cost I don't know 100 million euros. It will be probably the most expensive defender of all time. I think. When we talk about Joško, you know, uh, it is uh, obviously you know that he made such smart moves. You know, uh, because uh, when he uh, decided to, you know move from Dinamo Zagreb it was obviously that you know he had to go because uh, you know his talent was uh, for biggest leagues he also had a, a offer from Leeds and that offer from Leeds was even uh, better in uh, financial terms than one from uh, Leipzig you know but he decided to go to Leipzig he said no 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 it's too early for Premier League you know Premier League is uh, too physical it's better to go to Bundesliga first to Leipzig spend there year or two because uh, Dani Olmo, his uh, former teammate for, from Dinamo Zagreb, also went to Leipzig and made amazing uh, choice, amazing move. So you see, but he's a kind of guy who likes to go step by step, similar like uh, like Luca, because Luca's uh, definitely journey is amazing and definitely, you know, proof how it's not good to, you know, uh, to jump over the, the, the some steps. And uh, also, you know, uh, Yoshko is like Luca, really nice guy, you know, very, you know, uh, uh, how to say, very polite, you know, very modest. For example, his father, Yoshko's father, he's still uh, selling uh, fish on the uh, biggest market uh, place in Zagreb, you know. He's the fisherman and uh, he wakes up uh, every morning in 4 a.m. going to marketplace and selling fish. And now, uh, I think two days ago, people were surprised the TV cameras came to that marketplace and saw that uh, first time in many many years his stand was empty because <laughs> his father decided to come to Qatar on a match against I Argentina see. but that's unbelievable you know his son is playing uh, in Leipzig uh, his next transfer will be as you uh, mentioned maybe 100 million euros but 
he doesn't care you know that is his job that is his life and he's still selling uh, fish on the marketplace so i think that uh, also can tell you something about his uh, character the athletic should go and interview him yes <laughs> it's already and, nailed on isn't it <laughs> we should yeah. go and find him yeah <laughs> absolutely and behind Guardiol is a, a goalkeeper who has sort of excelled in this in this competition so far dominic livakovic um and he's another player who people are wondering where he's going to go, what his next step is going to be. And we caught up with the Athletics' David Ornstein, who just gave us an update on where he could be next season. Yeah, well, this is a really interesting situation because Livakovic, as we reveal in the transfers piece that uh, you can read in depth on The Athletic, a number of Premier League clubs were offered the opportunity to sign him last summer, including Manchester United... Leicester City, Nottingham Forest, and for one reason or another, they passed up that chance. It would have been a cut price, five to ten million euros, um, that would have, <laughs> with hindsight, seen them um, move ahead of time and um, and get a bit of a bargain because he looks like a top quality goalkeeper. Um, I don't know if the price is going to shift dramatically in the summer, but I think there will be a lot more interest in him after this tournament. And when you see some of his heroics, especially on uh, penalty saving and, and shot stopping, you kind of wonder why maybe a United passed up the opportunity. Um, and, and there are valid reasons in terms of you know the players they ended up taking. The um, backup to David De Gea was, was seen as being Tom Heaton and then Martin Dubravka came in later from Newcastle. Uh, Leicester City uh, were in a certain financial situation that has seen them go with Danny Ward and, and a couple of other players in replacement for Kasper Schmeichel. Nottingham Forest... Um, at the time, uh, with Bryce Samba leaving uh, for, for Lens, decided to go for a more high-profile keeper in the form of Dean Henderson. But it's just quite interesting how this was a player who was known, who was studied, who was looked at, who was in the market. Um, they didn't take him then, and um, I suspect somebody will take him from Zagreb uh, in the summer, and they will be pretty pleased with their acquisition. Sasha, it's been it's been great to just concentrate on Croatia. As a couple of Croatian fans, quite a few Croatian fans uh, walk past. Good luck to you, sir. Good luck this evening. Um, looks cool, calm, confident. But this is Argentina, and it was interesting you mentioned about Luka Modric and having got the better of um, Messi at Barcelona for for quite a few years. What do you think is going to be the key to beating? Argentina this evening and do you think do you think that will be in the back of Messi's mind that oh, hang on, it's, it's Luka Modric this is a proper this is a proper team and there will be huge respect coming the other way not necessarily just from Croatia to Argentina but Argentina to Croatia they know that you're you're the business no definitely I think uh, I think uh, they would respect us a lot even if we didn't play before you know because you've of beaten them you know in yes, recent and history, we yeah. did and we, we that's a, that is what I'm talking yeah if we didn't play in Russia they would definitely respect us because of uh, players like Luka like uh, Kovacic Brozovic uh, Perisic and uh, with that experience from Nizhny Novgorod when we beat them 3-0 in an amazing game, I think that uh, respect uh, will be even uh, higher. They know that. I, I think that they uh, feel that this is 50-50 game, you know. I think Brazil was favourite, let's be honest. I think uh, Brazil was the uh, number one favourite of this World Cup and, uh, you know, everybody thought that uh, Brazil will win that uh, match, went through, but uh, 
I think with Argentina, with Argentina, it's 50-50 game. They know that, and uh, the key of that game uh, would definitely be like in Nizhny Novgorod four years ago to to block uh, Messi. Of course, uh, we did that uh, extremely good in that game. Brozovic was uh, a shadow of of Messi uh, four years ago. Rakitic did a great job in in in, in helping uh, Marcelo, and also and also Luca helped in, in in some moments. So Messi was totally out of the uh, out of the game then. I think that today of course Brozovic will, will again be his shadow and uh, that role of Rakitic in defensive way of play should play Kovacic uh, tonight he was extremely good in that defensive uh, way against Brazil so I expect that uh, Kovacic will also be on his uh, level and uh, if we manage to do that I think that uh, we will be much much closer to the final quick final word Jack FIFA don't want Croatia in the uh, in the final. They want Messi in the final, don't they? So this it, it would be absolutely fantastic if it went to uh, if it went to Croatia from a well sort of an upset point of view. Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons that I want a Croatia Morocco final is yeah. because <laughs> one of everything is for sale in modern football except what happens on the pitch in international tournaments. You know, even the players are for sale. You know, everywhere you go, you see Neymar doing Qatar National Bank and Messi doing Uridu. And yet, what actually happens on the pitch in an international tournament, it can't be bought. You can have, you know, small, small countries with smaller populations like Croatia, if they've, got, if they've got the mentality right and they've got enough talent on the pitch, they can succeed. And so I, that's why I really, really want to see Croatia-Morocco in the final. It's not what FIFA would want. It's not what the organisers would want. It's not what Qatar thought that they bought when they, when they brought the World Cup here in the first place. They, obviously, they want Messi and Mbappe and Neymar. So yeah, uh, Croatia-Morocco final for me. <laughs> Jack, thank you very Amazing much. Amazing final words. Amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You agree with everything that Jack said. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sasha, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great to great to speak to you and learn so much more about the Croatian psyche heading into this uh, heading into this massive game. Thank you uh, for listening. Uh, if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, you can read so many articles about some of the players that we've mentioned on. Um, on this podcast obviously Luka Modric but Gvardiol uh, you've had the expertise of uh, David Ornstein on Livakovic as well so you can dig out all those articles on The Athletic if you want to sign up you can uh, sign up now for £2 or $2 a month for the first year we'll see you tomorrow The Athletic